Welcome to the Plutonomics Podcast with Lori Cammie and Barnaby Levin. The word Plutonomics means the study of wealth. It's our mission to educate, to help clients think about their goals and how they might benefit from working with an advisor to achieve them. But more importantly, it's to make sure our listeners understand both the pros and cons of any issue so they can make informed decisions and increase the odds of finding the right answer for them. You see, it's not who's right or wrong, but knowing there are no disinterested parties or unbiased opinions and that where you sit depends on where you stand. The challenge to making good decisions is to start by questioning one's assumptions and to break free of our prejudices because the truth usually lies somewhere in between. There are always two sides to every issue, both of which have merit. In our last podcast, What is the Next Big Risk? We considered what three highly regarded investors recently said in an interview on Bloomberg's Next Big Risk on August 11th. Ida Liu, global head of Citi's private bank, believes that conflict between the U.S. and China over Taiwan is or should be our country's top concern and that it's a question of when, not if. David Rubenstein at Carlyle believes it'll be the battle between the haves and the have-nots, whether between young and old or developed and emerging market economies for decades to come. And Boaz Weinstein, founder of Saba Capital, feels government balance sheets have become so bloated, neither they nor their central banks will be able to step in as they have and, as a result, will face steeper, more prolonged sell-offs whenever markets hit bumps again. We both agreed with Weinstein that sell-offs will be steeper and more prolonged, especially with rates on short-term treasuries back over 5%, and cash, it's no longer trash, as Ray Dalio once said. Ever since the demise of Silicon Valley Bank, we've already seen less liquidity, banks that are much less willing to lend. And as borrowing costs have risen, defaults are beginning to rise, both for the consumer and on commercial loans. So yes, we do see the pieces falling in place. Regarding Ida Liu and her thoughts on Taiwan, we've spoken of this at length in multiple podcasts, and we agree. It's only a matter of when, not if, and that odds are high, it will lead to confrontation. Where we differed, was whether we believe the U.S. will back down when it happens. Especially if, as I believe, given their military buildup in the South China Sea, China simply decides to surround the island and build a blockade to cut off all shipping in or out so they can starve Taiwan into submission. To me, it isn't clear we could or would claim any pact, stated or inferred, has actually been violated, at least enough to merit all-out war. And in the end, I think it's possible we might simply walk away like Obama did with Crimea or Biden in Afghanistan, especially if, by that time, we've managed to move enough of our fabs to other locations like Mexico and Vietnam. I, on the other hand, think that there's a decent chance when faced with the prospect of mutual destruction or because they're too distracted with their own economic downturn, that China will change its mind and back off. 
If not, because of our dependence on Taiwan for more than 80% of our semiconductor chips, if China even tries to disrupt that access, the U.S. would have no choice but to respond. We will protect our economic interests, even if it means war. Well, one thing we agreed on for sure, even though I understand why and in some ways don't blame the Chinese for thinking the way they do about outsiders, for example, now's not the time for us to invest there. So that leaves us with David Rubenstein and what he refers to as the battle of the haves and have-nots, central, I think, to which is demographics. Now, when it comes to the economy and to the laws of supply and demand, demographics have been the single most important factor since I read Age Wave by Ken Dichtwald in 1989. We've said, for example, how on a global basis, Gen Z will number more than two and a half billion people by 2026, accounting for 30% of the world's population at 40% of all consumers. And rest assured, they will challenge today's leaders on everything from climate change to the redistribution of wealth. And according to Neil Howe in The Fourth Turning, younger generations have been souring on democracy, considering it bad or very bad way to run our country. The only thing I cling to in the face of this is... In the preface to his new book, The Fourth Turning is Here, when Howe says every generation is what it has to be, they're all causal agents in history, driving the pace and direction of social change in the modern world, but that this isn't necessarily about good or bad. Instead, as Marcel Proust once wrote, what we call our future is but the shadow our past projects in front of us. The secret, according to Howe, is to get out of the shadow and recognize the deeper patterns at work. So it came as a shock. After all I've read and we've discussed about the boomers, the millennials, and Gen Z, when I was reading his new book, I realized I've completely ignored the importance of Gen X, to which they'd simply say, so what else is new? Gen X, those born between 1961 and 1981, first made their debut as the Brat Pack in the movie The Breakfast Club and St. Elmo's Fire. They established a new breed of celebrity with the likes of Michael Jordan and Tom Cruise. And they were the last teenagers to graduate high school right before the bursting of the dot-com bubble in 2000. But when it comes to commerce and the economy, Gen Xers have become one of the most innovative generations in American history, from Larry Page to Sergey Brin at Google, to Jeff Bezos at Amazon and Elon Musk at Tesla. It's thanks to them and a few dozen others that U.S. companies have grown to a position of such dominance both in our own and the global economy. It simply blows me away to think how I could have skipped over this entire generation in my thinking. But it is funny while I might have missed a beat, Elon Musk didn't. He was born smack dab in the middle of his generation in 1971, and he's been obsessed with the letter X for most of his life. His first company, which became PayPal, was named X.com. With the money he made from that, he founded SpaceX. He named one of his sons, with Claire Grimes Boucher, X. And when he bought Twitter last year, 
he changed his name to X as well. So there's one person at least who not only didn't miss it, he's embraced the spirit of his generation like none other. So what has all this talk have to do with the battle of the haves and the have-nots? <laughs> well, who do you think will be our country's leaders as we head into Howe's fourth turning between now and the end of this decade? We've already seen the diminishing grip our aging boomers face politically and shown how everything indicates we're on the verge of great change. We've spoken at length about the millennials and how they and Gen Z are worried about the world they'll inherit. With all our excess debt and what that will mean for Social Security and Medicare, not to mention the polarization we see in everything from the media to politics. And while Gen X has certainly been conspicuously absent from politics, I think that will change soon. Well, I think we need to talk more about that and them in our next podcast. But as you were beginning to suggest, part of that absence, given their inherent libertarianism, maybe because of the infamous latchkey kids they were raised to take care of themselves. Until lately, they've believed that society works better bottoms up than top down, like Michael J. Fox in Family Ties when he said people who have money don't need people. The truth is their entire generation is like a microcosm of this divide that we're discussing today. Some, like Musk and Bezos, have become fabulously wealthy. Some are comfortable, and it appears a large number are desperate and relying on gig work to supplement their income. They have no health insurance or pensions to rely on when they retire. I guess they figure they'll figure it out when they get there. But as is true of every generation, they've done things differently than their parents, and they've become every teacher's worst nightmare with the not my child, you don't, mom and dad, Next to their own child, what happens to everyone else's has meant little so far. So, as you say, this may mean those parent-teacher confrontations that we've been watching in places like Loudoun County are about to broaden out to a much wider political arena. And that as they've grown older, Gen X is beginning to wonder if their withdrawal from politics has only added to their current predicament. As I always say... Where you sit depends on where you stand. It's easy to cheer for slogans like defund the police until you're the one who's attacked or someone close to you is hurt. All of a sudden, having that protection matters. You may be the leader of the teachers union in Chicago, for example, but when it comes to your kid, you're sending them to the best school money can buy. And when it comes to increasing taxes, on those making over a certain amount or with X net worth, <laughs> when you get that promotion or your parents pass away and the government tells you they're entitled to more than half of it, I bet you'll change your thinking. Well, please join us next week when we finally belatedly discuss Generation X at greater length and delve deeper into this looming battle between the haves and have-nots. Until then... Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if you did, you'll share it with friends, family, and associates so they can enjoy it too. This is Barnaby Levin and Lori Cammie for the Plutonomics Podcast signing off. 
LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth are a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC and advisory services through Hightower Advisors LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk and there is no guarantee that the process or investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and any investment opportunities referenced may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced are from sources believed to be reliable and any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. Neither LK Wealth and Asset Management, LCK Wealth, or Hightower shall in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data or for statements or errors contained in or admissions from the obtained data and information referenced. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of LK Wealth and Asset Management and LCK Wealth and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.